Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hello and welcome to Lux Digital Church. We're so glad to have you with us tonight. My name is Mark. I am the lead pastor here at Lux. And I'm Andy. I am the creative pastor here at Lux. And we are so glad that you're here. If you're here for the very first time, we want to welcome you in and say thank you for coming. Say hello in the chat. Drop a follow on the channel. Let us know that you're out there, and we would absolutely love to connect with you. And if you're watching later on, on demand via podcast or YouTube or uh, VOD, then come and join us on Discord. There's a link to it in the panels below or in the description of this episode or video. It's where we live 24-7. Um, one of the important questions was, do you have a Squatch hat on? I do. Uh, you do. I very much do. A this is Squatch like, hat. Yeah, this is like one of my favorite hats, actually. And and Ivory John, thank you for the resub. We appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, guys, we are in part three of a collection of talks that is starting off a brand new year-long emphasis here at Lux called Things the Church Never Talks About. And with it, we have started off with a series called The Church Defined, where we're talking about the heck is a church <laughs> and... <laughs> Yep, why, exactly. <laughs> why people tell me I should go, right? Yep. What is a church? What is its DNA? Like, what's it about? Um, what should it be about? Uh, and in that, we've been we've launched into something called Sermons Three Ways, um, where we are moving away from monologue-only sermons, where I just talk at you, or somebody talks at you, and we're moving to more and more conversational-style messages, um, where there's more than one of us, and we're actually... Engage with you. What is a creative pastor? That's a new one to me. A, JT wants to That's know. a great yeah. question. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, you're going to be seeing a lot more of content and worship and look and feel and these things. I literally just started Monday. Monday. Yeah. yeah. Officially Monday. Officially Monday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so been kind of back and forth for the last couple of weeks, but uh, creative pastor. Yeah. It's going to be a fun ride. So if you're wondering what like mm -hmm. Andy's specific responsibilities are, those areas are anything to deal with content. Anything to deal with design, so graphic design, um, set design, uh, uh, web design, all that sort of stuff, content, anything that goes out on Instagram, uh, anything that goes out on our social accounts, uh, anything that goes out on our YouTube, all of that stuff, and then also worship. Um, so we're building a worship Making team. it up as you go. Um, is that creative? Mark is the unimaginative <laughs> pastor, is what Spiegel just said. <laughs> Thank you. Are we just continuing couch time? Amen. Yeah, I think it's just couch time <laughs> moving yep, on. Uh, yeah, moving on, continuing. Um, and so with Servants Three Ways, we're starting these Q&A sessions, but also live conversations. And so Andy and I are going to be joining tonight as we take a look at community. Yep. Um, we're specifically looking in this new series. We have a key statement for it. Um, so it's kind of a mix between a podcast and a sermon. We are looking at chat. We are reading. We're going to answer questions throughout uh, as we continue in the conversation. Um, but uh, tonight, our our key statement, which has been the key statement, will be the key statement throughout the series, is our why empowers our what. In other words, things that we do are often driven by what we believe about ourselves, about the world, our worldview. So if we don't understand why we're doing something, it'll be really hard for our what to have any passion or drive or energy, which is why it is so important that we understand what the church actually is. Yeah, and the Typically what we do when we have these key statements is we like to anchor something around a key verse or a key passage that we find in the Bible. And 
the interesting thing about when you start to define what a church is, we have to kind of go back to the very beginning. And we look at the early church, the church that was found in Acts 1 and Acts 2, the, the book of the Bible, the, uh, uh, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45, we read this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Um, Alec, I said I'm anything but unimaginative. I would agree. Yeah, he yeah, plays in my D&D campaigns. He knows I can come up with stuff. <laughs> uh, Jenny wants to know if we can AI you onto the couch Oh my gosh. Week, well, yes. Which? 100%. We're getting there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we are well on our way. <laughs> um, well, listen, In throughout this, we talked uh, two weeks ago. I preached a message on the importance of Scripture. Last week, we were joined by Dr. Chris Marshall. We took a deep dive into the sacraments, what those words actually mean, all of those sorts of things. Um, and I, uh, I, that was great. Like, it was really powerful. Um, and tonight, we're going to be shifting gears away from sacraments and scripture, and we're going to be heading into community. And community, relationships, and close friendships, those have been pivotal in both of our experiences, both in life and in faith. Hmm. Yeah, uh, there's an interesting thing that starts to you know, community seems like a, a little bit of a layup, I think, when you start talking about church. Churches are known for community. But the interesting thing is community isn't exactly what you think it is. Community is not this, like, forced thing. Mm. Actually, um, I, uh, and a lot of you don't know this part of me, but uh, I was a I was a worship pastor and then a digital pastor for about 15 years. And square in the middle of that, though, um, <clears throat> God called my wife and I to go start a nonprofit faith-based gym, which seems like a really weird thing to do. Uh, but you know what? When I think about community in the modern sense of the world— I think of CrossFit. Well, and so it's funny you mentioned that uh, because it actually was a, co a CrossFit-style gym. Okay. Uh, and actually, one of the, the spurring—it's funny. It, I don't know if you ever read the article, but there was an article by this guy, Kevin DeYoung, who is a—he um, is a— commenter for the Gospel Coalition, and he wrote, back, right back before we started the gym, actually, uh, why CrossFit is the new Christianity, something along those lines. Mm. And essentially, it was all about the community that is formed and the shared sense of struggle. And so I wanted to kind of take that and use that for Christian purposes. So we started a gym uh, and had no money, stepped away from a full-time job. It was super crazy. Uh, and we built this gym up to about 75 or 100 people. It was awesome. Within about a year, we had like 75 to 100 people. We had a, had a staff of trainers. And then uh, my mom really started going south. Uh, she had metastatic breast cancer for a long, long time, and she immediately started, like, she quickly started going south. And so I was living in Atlanta at the time, having to drive down to where my mom was in Tampa, and I was doing that quite frequently. And my wife is in the chat, and she can testify to the fact that it was a, it was a pretty, pretty bad time in our life. And I was driving back and forth constantly and trying to, trying to do the gym and then trying to do this community and then trying to also be a dad and a husband. And I was just getting worn out, and we were had no money, and we had no anything happening. And so I remember getting back. My mom had passed, um, and so I was down in Florida for kind of getting some things and uh, taken care of. Drove back up, and literally was like trying to figure out what to do, how we were going to pay for anything, how we were going to do anything. Walked into the gym on a Monday night to teach a class, and at the end of the class, the class stayed back, and one of them handed me a bag, and this bag literally had like a card in it. I was like, oh, this is real nice. Everybody, well, like most of the members had signed it. And then I reached further in and I found three different gift cards in there. I found a $100 gift card to Chick-fil-A, a $200 gas card, and a $300 Visa card. Mm. Now, 
if you don't know anything about traveling from Atlanta to Tampa, it's basically this miserable stretch of road called I-75. With nothing but Chick-fil-A. With nothing but Chick-fil-A and gas stations. <laughs> gas stations and Chick-fil-A. And, Chick-fil-A. and yeah. like th- it was this community coming together. All of the community had come together and said, how can we help Andy? Well, we don't know. We can't really pay more than we're paying for dues. Well, we can, do, we can bless his family this way. It was a community coming around me to support my family. That's what community was for me in that instance. And it was not a church. Mm. It was more of a community than I had ever felt in a church at that point. Mm. Well, I, I'm realizing how dangerous it is to read chat while we're doing this, because <laughs> yeah. like you're talking about the hardest season of your life, and I'm reading Shock the Toast. Deep we need fakes. to deep fake uh, Andy's face onto David so that Andy has hair, and I'm just grinning, like trying not to grin as you're- He's real happy about sh- my- Sharing deep. So yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. Thanks, well, dude. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> super emotional. Baja blast. Good to see you. Uh, well, you know, community has been super important in my life as well, um, and in in different seasons and for different ways. And I can think of like three. I really think of my life in eras of community. Like I'm a com- I'm a community creator. Like naturally, that's what I do. I gather people. And so um, in high school, I had this Thursday night Bible study. The Spiggle was a part of it. We would go to this little place called O'Shea's. It was a pub. We'd go to the back room with our youth pastor. We'd order wings. Um, it's where my buddy got nicknamed Horsey Sauce Hassenflu, actually, because uh, uh, you want to go through that again. There was a couple ones that were more offensive, but basically, he would eat <laughs> wings and it would just drip up his arms. Um, he was just such a mess. Um, and then we would have Bible study together at the church afterwards. Uh, and then in college, I had a college small group with a mentor and a pastor. I met with them last week, actually, for the first time in years. And uh, we met in this back room of this coffee shop. It was blazing hot. The grinder and the roaster. We're back in the back room at the coffee shop, and we would meet there, and we would talk philosophy and women and everything in between, um, theology, and really powerful. And then when I took my first job in a church at New Life Christian Ministries, Dr. Chris Marshall's church, um, I served there for 11 years, and during that time, I built this incredibly tight-knit community with at first youth leaders, and then it developed into a young couples group. And those kind of became the catalysts for sharpening me and helping me to grow, challenging me, pushing back at me, all of those sorts of things. I, I have very vivid memories of exact moments inside that coffee shop where someone would challenge me on a belief or challenge me on something that I thought that radically shifted my life because it changed my why, it changed the way I thought, which ultimately would then change my what yeah, and how I went about things in life. But listen, it's, I mean, Spoiler alert, it's nice to have friends, right? Like, wow. shocker. Yeah, shocker. Uh, you come to church and they say, hey, you should have friends. Like, we all know in one way, form, or another that we want friends. Like, we get that. We understand that. But the Bible actually has a lot more to say about it. Like, community for the Bible is so much more than just you should have some friends Yeah, you in should your hang life. out with people. Yeah, it's more than hanging out, right? It's more than just your local game shop. Um, it's deeper than that. It's actually theological. And so we're going to take a look at, I'm going to take some Old Testament. I'll take some New Testament. And he's going to take some New Testament. And we're going to take a deep dive into some Hebrew, into a little bit of Greek. A little bit. We're going to answer your questions. Yep. We're going to talk community tonight, if that's real, okay with you Real guys. quick, I want to clear up uh, G-Mage commenting, Average Baja Blast had asked what a Christian, what a faith-based gym was. So read that in the chat there, Baja Blast. That was pretty much spot on. Yeah. By the way, 
Hi, GMH. It's good to see you. Thanks for letting your husband come up and hang out with me. Love you. Um, so tonight, I'm actually going to talk and look. I'm going to go as far back as I can, right? You can see community throughout the Old Testament at various points in the story of the nation of Israel. But tonight, I want to go the whole way back to the very beginning, get real theological on us, and we're going to talk Genesis chapter 1. And Old Testament up in Old here. Testament up in here. And, and specifically, um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says something really unique um, that is very unique to the Hebrew scriptures specifically. And it says this, Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created him. This is the final day of God's creation story, right? He's on day six, creates humanity, says that everything is really good, right? He makes them in his image. Now to you and I, that might not mean a whole lot. But to an ancient Jew, this is enormously significant, especially a Jew receiving this um, in sort of like the Sinai Peninsula as they're wandering around in between Egypt and the land of Canaan or the promised land that they're coming to, because they are surrounded by people who have very similar stories to them. The Canaanites have a very similar creation story. The Egyptians have a similar creation story. The Babylonians have a similar creation story to what you would see in the rest of Genesis chapter one. But there are unique things about the Hebrew creation story. And we talked about this at Monday Night Live this week, mm -hmm. but very specifically, the unique thing is the intentionality in which um, God or the God of the Bible creates humanity and partners with humanity. So for example, just the Babylonian creation narrative, the God Marduk, the God that they worshiped, slays Tiamat, the great sea serpent, and uh, her droplets of congealed blood become humanity. So great. the Egyptian narrative, sweat, tears, blood, um, we'll call it seed, seed for all of the kids who are listening um <laughs> sort of like the accidental wink, wink yeah. sort of like the accidental fluids of the gods have oh. creative juices Acc that accidental fluids is the name yeah. of my metal band yeah so just think like you are people who think that i <laughs> <laughs> gonna get a drink of water um it's an accidental fluid over there <laughs> so all of the <laughs> All of the surrounding people basically say that we are accidental creations made by the discarded blood or tears or seed or fluids. sweat fluids of the gods. And our job is to make images of the gods and worship those gods to appease them. Right. Uh, when you say image, and I, I had stopped you about this earlier and I was thinking about it a little bit more, but the idea of the image, I think, has changed a little bit. Yes. Right. Like, like I think image. So you you mentioned ancient Hebrews, and you mentioned kind of the those that would have been listening to this wandering around through the Sinai, and they would have immediately seen Marduk and all the things that they had actually been escaping from in their yep. in their captivity from Egypt. When we say image today, what does that what does that mean to us? Like, sure. Well, even in our even in our English translations, it's translated differently right. in different places. Right. And so the Hebrew word here is Selim, right. which we would pronounce sort of like S-E-L-E-M, but it's actually written out T-S-E-H apostrophe dash L-E-M. And it means image, but that word is translated as idol in some places, but then in Genesis 1:27, it is translated image. So Certainly, to a certain extent, inexchangeably there, right, that we are made as idols, as image bearers of God in the same way that 
we would then go later and say, and God would say, those Selim that other people worship, right, are made of wood and stone and have no life in them. The same exact passage actually used later on in the book of Genesis, whenever uh, Adam talks about his son Set is born and created in his Adam's shalab. image, in humanity's, uh, Adam, uh, Adam, humanity's image, literally, Adam literally means humanity's, in humanity's image. Hmm. And so picture this, you have all of the peoples around you who all sort of believe that we are accidental creations from the fluids discarded from the gods. And our job is to create carved images of those gods as tribute to them and to worship those images to appease them. And then the Hebrew scriptures come along and Moses says it's quite different. Yep. There's a God who has created you with a high level of intentionality. He loves you deeply and he has created you in his Salim. He's created you in his image. You are never to create a graven image because you carry the image of God. The, the other gods are carried around by stone and wood images, but your God, the God that chose you, actually has living, breathing, and reproducing image bearers that his image may never fade on the earth, which brings the concepts of idolatry and idol worship into such incredible focus. Voimasa, uh, being Voimasa, actually said something awesome. Uh, the Decalogue, which is the thou shall not make graven grave images from the Ten Words, from the Ten Commandments, is an important juxtaposition. You are image bearers of God. But also don't try to make images with your own hands. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you are the images. Like, you have no need for idols. You have no need to carve images because you are my representation of, of it. But, but we're, like, we're different, right? Like, you and I, we look differently. We're different heights. Uh, we're different fitness levels. Um, those, yeah. those sorts of things. <laughs> um, and so... So obviously the Bible isn't saying that God shares your nose and my eyes and Greg's complexion, right? God is, <laughs> Greg, Greg's just chiming in on the other side of the um, God is talking about an image. He's talking about something bigger, right? That right. we share his properties, not his likeness, but we are like him in some way, shape, or form that the crown of God's creation, according to the Hebrew scriptures, shares something that is like God, which is quite beautiful. And I think that we get that if we actually backtrack a little bit further to the very beginning of the Old Testament. And we see this in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the very beginning. So let me let me backtrack there. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, 1. And you might have to keep your eyes open for stuff yeah, that it. i'm missing because I'm, I'm 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 in now because i've been nerding out about this a yep. little bit guys yep. so genesis 1 1 so the, the word for god here is elohim elohim which um it comes from the root word of a canaanite word el which means god or creator god or ultimate god or king of gods so in canaanite folklore where god's people eventually came from right that abraham went there isaac and jacob they come out of the land of Canaan. In there, the word El literally means king of the gods. And that was the chief creative god in Canaanite mythology. And El surrenders all of the world to the waters, the chaotic, dark, deconstructing waters. There's a god, Yom, who actually represents those things. And his son, Baal, or Baal, actually goes to war against Yam and defeats her and does so every year in Canaanite mythology. Right. And so when we see El, El literally means um, God or deity, right? Elohim is a plural. 
It's actually in the Hebrew, it's written as a plural. And because Hebrew language is really unique, it has plural and singular pieces for both nouns and verbs, right? And so Elohim is plural, but created is singular. And these two things don't work together. Right. And the Hebrew writers did this a lot to make a point that God was God's, but that God was also singular, that he was a God, but that he was created amongst other, he wasn't created, but he was three, and like if, he was multiple. Yeah. And if you're confused about this, the, the, we, it's called the doctrine of the Trinity. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, I am. Are you confused about I'm it? I'm confused about it as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I think every Christian scholar ever is confused about it as well. Yeah. But this became the the basis for the theology of the Trinity that was championed by the church fathers in sort of like the very early days of the church in which we believe that God is three in one. So what is what does that mean to be three in one? And specifically, who are the three? Well, one of the three is certainly going to be the Holy Spirit. It's, we see God the Father in the beginning in Genesis chapter one, and then we actually actually see the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2, where it says that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, which is Ruach. I, I mispronounced Ru that. Ruach. 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 It's like in the back Ruach. of the throat. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually translated as wind in other passages breath, of the Bible. Yeah. Breath or wind. It's actually the same word that's used in the Exodus story when God splits the Red Sea and an eastern wind comes. Yep. Ruach. Ruach. Is same word, but it's also translated as spirit. It's the Spirit of the Lord. The second part of the Trinity. And then we see in the book of John, the very beginning of John, John actually opens up his literary work in the same way that Genesis chapter 1 is opened up to mimic it. But in here he's talking about Jesus. And he says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. So here this is John's account of the creation narrative, the story from the beginning. He's saying from the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word in this case is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. Right. And he's talking about the three of them together. So now we have this this three and what scholars have called this is something called the divine dance, right? So it's literally a perfect trinity living in community. So when God says you are made in his image, and we say that community is important, what we're not saying is community is a good idea. We're not saying you should have friends. Friends are good. What we're saying is baked in to the very fabric of human beings is a desire for connection to one another because God created us as his image bearers to be like him and he lives in constant perfect community. But that has not always been the case. Community has been broken and busted. Our world is shattered. Community is probably one of those painful things that we frequently go through in life. The breaking of community, wars between people, all of those sorts of things. The world is a great testament of how community has not always panned out how we wanted it to. And the story of the Bible is much about that for thousands of years. And then we see God's plan for a restorative community that will actually mimic what the heavens and the earth coming together would be like. Yeah, there's there's something interesting there as well that I think to to even talk about community at the very beginning, Adam was alone, right? Adam was he was all by himself. God created this man and then he created a bunch of animals. And then Adam went and what did he do? He named all the animals. He named the all the thing. animals. Yeah, they he hung out with the animals and then he was like, man, God was like going still something's still not right. And Adam's going something's still not right. And so God put Adam asleep 
and literally made woman from him. Because actually, the thing the Hebrew scriptures tell us was not good. The only thing, the only in thing that was the not creation good. that was not good, was that Adam was alone. Like he wasn't, like he wasn't trying to be with a like he liked giraffes and and marmots and things, but not. I mean, they're cool. Not like that. Yeah. Right, not like that. Like yeah. he needed someone that was of him, like someone to connect to that was also an image bearer of yeah. God. Yeah, it's and it's interesting. So we we fast forward the Old Testament to the New Testament, and and when you look at the story of Jesus and what happens with the story of Jesus, so there, there's there's you you have this community of people that are really reading what they knew as the testament really it was just the hebrew scriptures everything that was happening sure, there, there wasn't a the bible there wasn't right? a no, the new bible. Testament, none no of that there stuff. was yeah. there were synagogues there was rabbis they were traveling around they were memorizing scripture they were doing these things jesus this guy jesus appears on the scene from who knows where right from this little town of nazareth and walks around for about 33 years says some pretty offensive things to the jewish rabbis and and leaders and he gets killed for it uh and he gets buried but then three days later rises again, hangs out for another 40 days or so, and then ascends back into heaven. And all of a sudden, you have these formerly Jewish people who knew these stories, who knew everything about who the, being created in the image of God, being, you know, Adam Adam being alone, not being good, who knew all of these things. And, and, and all of a sudden, they're going, wait a minute, so what do I do with this information now that Jesus is gone? And then 50 days later, that we have this thing called Pentecost. Now, Pentecost literally means 50 days. I mean, penta, pentagram, that type of thing. Uh, it's not a pentagram, it means 50. We're not and saying pentagram. We are not, not saying say pentagram. It. Please do not. Please get out of there. But Don't but, clip it. But, <laughs> I mean, I control that. Uh, the The... But at Pentecost, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just descends into this gathering of about 150 believers, and there are tongues of fire, and there's all sorts of languages being spoken. There's a ton of the, uh, people think Peter and his gang are drunk, like they're st at 9 a.m. and Peter stands up and says like the funniest thing in the world, is like how could I be drunk? It's only nine in the world. Like I think that's pretty funny every time I read that, and and yet there now all of a sudden is this this gathering of people that are together and. Something magnetic about it, right? Yeah, like that, there's this energy in Acts chapters one, two, three, four, right. really throughout. There's a there's a there's a like a sense of joy. And and you can read that all of a sudden they don't know what else to do, so they start meeting, it says together in one place. In Acts chapter two, verse one, it says they started meeting together in one place. And that's the interesting thing I think that happens here is that they don't scatter to their houses. They don't. They don't leave. All of a, there, there's that innate innate sense of what you went through. You saw Jesus, right? You saw this whole thing, and and it's magnetic. So much so that actually, at the very first sermon that was ever preached by Peter, three thousand people are added to the the fellowship. It says three. That church grew from 150 to 3,000, like that. Mega church overnight. Yeah, overnight yeah. without any sort of like mm -hmm. growth plan. No discipleship track. No 101. No like coffee in the fellowship hall after but service. But also, like, no church, no systems. Nothing. No, like, they weren't filing for their 501c3 nope, status. nothing. And they were gathering in the temple right. at the time. Like, every day they would begin getting together at the temple courts, which is sort of like the the dominant communal meeting place for all Jews. Right. Because they didn't view themselves as different than Jews. They just thought, we believe that 
Jesus was the Messiah and we continue to be Jewish. Like, yeah. They didn't view themselves as something other than what they already were. Correct, yeah, and, and they believe that not only were they uh, still worshiping in Jewish synagogues, but that, but that Jesus was the one that fulfilled all of these things. And that's what they had learned and that's what they were spreading. And so all of a sudden there's this like newfound joy and, and being part of this community of believers turns into like this, this full-time job. They're worshiping together, they're eating together, they're sharing life together, they're doing life together, they're growing together, they're, they're I'm going to talk about this next week when we start talking about generosity, but they're literally selling homes to fulfill needs when needed, mm. all because they truly believed in this Jesus guy. And this church grows thousands and thousands and thousands of people, so much so that like Peter and John, and a couple short chapters later in, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John get thrown into jail by, again, the religious elite who are scared of what's going on. They get thrown into jail for preaching, and, and all of a sudden this community prays for them, gathers around them, and ultimately Peter and John, like, kind of walk out of uh, out of the out of the 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 jail because they really had done nothing wrong and they didn't leave they weren't scared they went back to their community right yeah but i think community is the right word here right because they weren't a church not yet not yet like we didn't they wouldn't have called themselves a church right so let's tie this in the sense of community and the need for one another because you could have all of that but we're in a church and we're, we're really saying like, hey, you should be part of a church in some capacity. Why? Like what what makes this unique grouping of people different than the people that you meet at your coffee shop or the people that go to an amusement park? I, I mean, that's a that's a great it's a great it's a great way of framing it. But actually, the word church happens in the New Testament. It's just a little bit later. Uh, they start calling church in like Acts chapter 18 and things like that. So years and years and years after this. And there's an interesting thing. So the, the New Testament, so the Old Testament uh, Mark was talking about is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Essentially, there's a couple of other small little languages in there, but essentially two different languages. And the New Testament itself is written mostly in Greek, like conversational Greek. And the Greek word that is translated there as the, the, the English word that we know as church is this word ekklesia. Ekklesia is a real cool word, but ekklesia literally means called out ones. That, mm. That's what the, the Greek translation of that is, the called out mm, ones. Kind of like we talked about in the sacraments last week, like holy to be set apart. Exactly, yeah. The, the, I mean, this is the, the it's the, the call-out ones, the set-apart congregation. And so all of these things, you can hopefully start to see the, the Lego pieces kind of build in together. The, it, it's, it's a gathering of people that are united by identity. Now, the interesting thing is in the Greek language, it's called Koine Greek, and it's a conversational Greek that's kind of dead now. But in that sense, the, the Koine Greek term ekklesia, that, that, that meant a gathering of anything. So that could have been sports fans. That's like, you know, I'm in Pittsburgh and I'm sorry, Steelers fans, if you're out there, all two of you, uh, like Steelers fans gathering together, like that's technically an ecclesia of Steelers fans. But over time, it came to be associated with Christian community, mm. Christian fellowship, because because those called out ones started showing that they had been called out of society. They had been called out of worshiping the, the Roman emperor, Caesar. They had been called out of calling him Lord. They had, been, they had been called out of the culture. They had been called out of this sort of idolatrous nature that Mark was talking about, that, that bled into Roman society, and they had been called into something different. Now, Spiggle asked in chat, because you're talking about Christian communities, yeah. is it weird that actually find Christian community intimidating, or I, I guess I can't see it on the screen anymore, Spiegel, but like, like not friendly, like not appealing, I guess, is, right? Like, yeah. Is it weird? No. Is it the way that God intended it? Uh, 
know as well. I think it's, yeah, sure. I think it's weird because, as we can talk about a little bit later, maybe we can talk about this on the couch, but I think Christian community has taken, a, uh, has gotten a bad rap. Sure. Well, you get this story in the book, Acts, and you see this like really magnetic community of people who are self-sacrificing yep. and miraculous things were taking place and they were like off-putting he said and they were like hmm. man the authorities were after them and killing them but they were like and the 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 sort of like the flailing dying christendom that we live in today which is sort of like super social and like really political yep. and sort of like ugly can be two-faced does it like seems more commercialized like that type of christian community doesn't like I think anybody who looks at the book of Acts and sees Acts chapter two and reads that community, they're like, I'd love to be a part of that. But sometimes when you look at what the church is today, that depiction of Christian community is off-putting. But it's funny, uh, in our Lions fans, yes, Lions fans, I, I, we are here. Me and Templar are here. <laughs> Thank you. Us Lions fans are an ecclesia of Lions fans. Uh, the There's an interesting thing, and, and, and I'm just going to go completely off notes here for a second, but um, I kept using this word inclusivity in my notes throughout this whole thing and that's actually because uh in in galatians chapter 3 and we do we do have a have a have a graphic for this but in, in galatians chapter 3 uh verse 28 the apostle paul he writes there's you're no longer jew or gentile you're no longer slave or free you're no longer male or female for you're all one in christ jesus that's the ideal of christian community that's the ideal of any faith-based community right but especially christian community wiping away all of your socioeconomic status and stature wiping away all of the things that that you that were formerly you before you met Jesus those things are gone and and I'm going to talk about this a little bit next week that sounds a little bit like communism and it's not there's some pretty interesting you know splits there that happen but ultimately Christian community is supposed to be inclusive yeah and inclusivity can be loaded in right. our culture today in terms of what it means I think a lot of like affirmative action is I feel like inclusivity and the term around inclusivity and culture's drive towards that has similar effect to maybe what um, a, my parents' generation would have seen as sort of like affirmative action. It, it can be really perceived as a negative thing. But in this case, it's talking about something that's way bigger than that because we have a lot of inclusivity, especially in our culture, when it comes to religion. You can kind of believe what you want to believe and you should all be able to go to the same school and do the same things. But then that wasn't the case, right? The Romans worshiped the Roman gods. The Greek worshiped the Greek gods. The Egyptians worshiped the Egyptian gods. The Jews worshiped the Lord, right? You have right. all of these different groups. And so this concept of like, hey, you can actually... Like you could not just become a Jew before and worship the Lord, right? You were a Gentile, you were outside the group. And it was only during this Jesus movement that the doors flung wide open and people began crossing political and social and national lines, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, Greek, uh, all people were being unified under this sort of like religious group, which now we would look and say that that's exclusive and bad and icky. Right. But back then, this was something that was incredibly inclusive and new and fresh. Yeah. And and so Spiegel, like for those out there that have found Christian community pretty exclusive, like you know, shutting the doors, pretty off-putting, pretty kind of hard, like. I, you know, it's pretty trendy for pastors to get on camera and say like, oh, I'm sorry for all of the Christians out there and do that thing. But like, truly, Mark and I are sorry for all of the people that are out there that have 
had that feeling about Christian community that had felt wrong, that have felt like they had their shoulder turned, like they like they got kicked out of the congregation, like they weren't even welcomed, like it like it was something weird, and you had you if you weren't saying the right things or wearing the right things or you know standing at the right time that you were going to be kicked out of the congregation. Like that's not that's not what the original church is. And 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 Mark, I'm going to kick this back to you now, but like when God gave you that idea to start forming Lux that's not the idea of community that you had, right? That's this exclusive sort of like gamers and gamers only, and only these type of gamers and only these type of people, and you need to look like this. And and if not, you can get out of my Discord server. Sure, like a big portion of what we wanted to do is create a space for people who were spiritually curious and people who were spiritually exploring to have a place where they could come and openly engage in real questions. And like literally, like JT saying, my wife wants to know the context for Galatians 3.28. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling 328 up on my iPad right now so that we can look at it in post-show tonight because I wanted it to be this place where people who typically had no voice inside the church actually had the ability to come and collectively and in a communal way to grow and develop and explore faith and explore their background rather than just being told what to believe and why the things that they believed were wrong and how you should just believe the things that I believe. And beyond that, community is a huge part of that, right? Because I believe that we were, I believe that we're made in the image of God, right? At, the, at, at my core, I believe that when we live outside of community, that we live outside of how we were created and intended to operate and live because we are the image bearers of God. And in that way, God doesn't just share my nose, like we talked about from Genesis 1:27, but that God also, I have his character and his characteristics. And with that, I have this inward drive towards community. And when I partner with the Ecclesia, the church, I get the chance to participate in Jesus' kingdom activity that he started where he's saying, this is the pathway back to Eden, right? Because the, the story of the Bible is really a story from page two or three, we break everything, and the whole rest <laughs> of the Bible is returning to Eden. That It's, it's the story <laughs> of the restoration and redemption. That's what the whole Bible is. And it's God's narrative and the brokenness of humanity as that happens. And a big part of that is the returning to biblical community. Now, when I say that, I don't mean like, hey, you should join a small group. You should join a small group. Like small groups are a vehicle by which we enter into relationship and community with one another. And small groups are launching tonight and you should join one. Thoughts on predestination. Welcome in, Goat. Uh, we're actually doing a whole series on that. We're doing a whole series on that. So <laughs> stick around long enough and you'll hear it. Um, uh, that's coming later this year. Yep. Um, and so God created us and intended us for community. Jesus puts us in these ecclesias, right? And these places generate a, 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 an attempt to get back to a truer form of the way in which we were meant to be a blessing to one another, right? In the garden, uh, Adam is a blessing to Eve. Eve is a blessing to Adam. Adam and Eve are a blessing to creation, and they are a blessing to God, and God is a blessing to them. It's blessing all around. When sin enters the world, the relationship between Adam and Eve break. They see shame. They hide from one another. They flee from God. They lie, and they begin to break down and destroy creation. And God is in the process of restoring all of those things, and community and the ecclesia can specifically is a part in the restorative properties of that. So join a small group, yes. Like, at the end of the day, that's a really practical piece. But more than that, it's about a lifestyle that is steadfastly continuing and devoted to community. Even when we get hurt, even when it's hard, even when it breaks down, even when it's imperfect, that we strive to return to blessing on blessing on blessing on blessing rather than brokenness to brokenness to brokenness to brokenness. Right. right. And so well, that takes us to our key state, or not key statement, our 
what is it? Our, our why thing. it matters? Yeah, our thing that I, I forgot to pull up because I'm in <laughs> the, the Bible right now. The things that we no, I have it here. It's okay. the it's the thing that we say at the end. I think. Did you know? Did no, you? There's, bring, oh, there's yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, our why it matters. I got it, guys. We were not made to follow Jesus alone. Like as followers of Jesus, we were intended to do that. Yes and together. amen. Yes and yeah. amen. And it's it's both. It's theological, but it's also super practical. If you are one of those type of people that does not struggle with community, congratulations. I envy you. But if you're like me and you do struggle with finding community, finding places to get plugged in, uh, we should hit that Discord link in into the chat right now. Um, joining a, an unknown weird Discord, I, I assure you, is not the weirdest thing in the world, number one. Number two, our Discord server is filled with a bunch of people that are just like you and me uh, who have sometimes issues with joining community. And you're going to find there that it's not the judgmental outward facing sort of like you said the wrong thing get out of my discord server type of community uh, when we're it, having a good day right <laughs> sometimes we're broken too right like the truth of the matter is is that i think that is the experience that you always 100%. have but like grace and forgiveness and love are all part of that narrative as well of restoring and rebuilding what is a otherwise broken broken yeah. world yeah 100 yeah. percent yeah i cut you off sorry no no you did a great job actually i cut you off and then you apologized to me for cutting me off um, and Zeph, <laughs> Zeph, I, I appreciate the apology for what I did wrong, though. Um, Zeph, summary doesn't work because I turned it off because I didn't think we were going to have one, and then we decided to put one in last minute. Um, it's hard starting, uh, staying in community. It, it absolutely is. It can be really hard to find community. It can be very hard to stay in community. Communities of people will never be perfect because people are imperfect. Preach. Absolutely. Yeah, preach. Absolutely. But in the ecclesia, right, inside of the church, inside of the called out ones, as we turn learn to live in community with one another and learn to forgive and care for one another, and we learn to love and we learn to show grace and compassion. Like it's inside of there that we begin to catch glimpses of a restored heaven, restored earth. And that's why following Jesus together is so vitally important. Why the church steadfastly continues in it. Last thing for me, first off, shock, I'm not Canadian, I'm from Michigan. Uh, second off, thank you, G-Mage, for jumping in there. Second off, uh, if you stick around for post-show, we're actually, um, JTE and his wife had asked about the context of Galatians 3.28. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about community there and kind of uh, something interesting that that glues all of those pieces together. It's actually something I'm going to be talking about next week as well in terms of generosity. So that's a plug. You should stick around. I can see the Canadian vibes. And with that, Spiegel said, uh, I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer, and then we're going to go to time of worship. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you that not only are you three in one, but you have created us and crafted us to live in community together, that you looked at creation and you said it is not good for man to be alone. And so you created community that we would be able to embrace and to live life together, that we would be able to co-rule earth with one another. And you have continued to emphasize that and its importance in your church, which is the way you speak to your people and display yourself to the world today. I pray, Father, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit as the church, that Holy Spirit, you would fall upon our church, that we would learn to love and care for one another, that we would invest in community, that we would sacrifice for community, and that community would become part of not just the center of our church, but the heartbeat of all of those who call Lux home. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.